0: Father, we pray that that in this moment we'll acknowledge how much of an event this is, that we will come with hearts hungry to hear your voice tonight. And pray that we give Katie clarity of thought and clarity of speech, that you'll bring peace upon her as she brings your word tonight. And may this be an event in which we hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ross. Um, If you're wondering what all that was about, this is my first preach here. Um, so I preach at other churches, but this is my first preach here, and I seem to have a fan club, which is fabulous. Um, so our reading tonight is taken from Matthew 13, it's verses 24 to 30, and 36 to 43, which is pages page um, it's 979, it's the dyslexic coming out of me, looking at my numbers, and they're just all swirling around my page, page 979 in the Pew Bibles. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. The disciples came to him and said, "'Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field.' He answered, "'The one who sowed the good seeds is the son of man. "'The field is the world, "'and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. "'The weeds are the sons of the evil one, "'and the enemy who sows them is the devil.' He who has ears, let him hear. I have a real love hate relationship with this parable. Because while I love preaching on difficult and challenging passages, I would appreciate something a little bit nicer than, for my first sermon here, than some slightly cryptic passage that includes the devil, hell, and why God doesn't do anything about evil. Oh, joy. Thank you very much, Ross. Thankfully, I'll only touch on each of those tonight. And if you want to know more, then talk to Clive when he's back or talk to Ross, because they have the qualifications and the salary to do your inquiries justice. Um, I've literally just started my theology degree. I think I've earned about 3% so far. So according to Matthew, Jesus is in the middle of a string of parables about what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a mustard seed. Tiny, but in time, it grows to be hugely significant. It's like yeast leavening the bread, unseen but spreading. And it's like a crop in the field waiting for the harvest to come. Now, I'm part of the millennial generation. We don't do waiting. Everything is instant. If I want it, I can have it right now. I can order online and get same-day delivery. Or I can click and collect in 60 seconds Argos. Those adverts have been on for about two days. It's great. The most waiting that my generation does is about nine months for a baby. <laughs> <laughs> not personally. <laughs> and the kingdom of heaven is like that expectancy, the now but not yet of pregnancy. It's excited, eager expectancy, but there's a right time in the future. So that, this now but not yet kingdom of heaven is like a field owned by a good man and sown with good wheat seeds and all looked well. But when the ears developed, it wasn't all wheat. Some was a weed called darnel. Now, don't think of pretty English countryside weeds like this that are really easy to spot. As it sprouted and was growing, darnel looks so similar to wheat, it is indistinguishable. And it's only when the fruit develops that you can see if you look really carefully that it's not all wheat. You can just tell the difference if you know what to look for, but you can tell the difference. But by that time, it's so entwined its roots deeper than the wheat and stronger than the wheat around it that it can't be removed without pulling up the wheat as well. But it must be separated Because it's poisonous, and eating it can be fatal. To sow darnel in another man's field was used as a threat to get revenge. But it was such an awful thing to do that it was forbidden by Roman law. See, to find darnel amongst your wheat was really costly. It meant extra work with the associated extra labor costs to make your grain safe to eat. And this was all well known to the audience of Jesus, They've nodded along with the servant's desire to act, but the owner's instructions that the weeds can't be separated till the harvest. The owner doesn't want the darnel there. He knows it's hurting his crop, and it'll be costly to sort out. But he has the wisdom to wait for the right time. Then Jesus explains this parable to the disciples. He says, The field is the world which belongs to the Son of Man him, Jesus. And he sows good seed. The good seeds, what we now call Christians, people of the kingdom. And Darnell is people who don't belong to the kingdom, so belong to the evil one. The evil one, the accuser, the deceiver, Satan, the devil, whatever name you want to give to whatever personification of evil you believe in. But most of what we think about the devil comes from Greek myths and Dante's Divine Comedy. And people tend to either make him a comedy figure or give him immense power. The truth that Jesus speaks is that there is a hostile power, and he's subtle. The darnel looks so like the wheat that the differences barely show. But Jesus says no matter what the evil one does, he can sow seeds as a coward under the cover of darkness. The field belongs and will always belong to Jesus. The devil does not and cannot own the world, and he cannot reap the harvest. The wheat is sown, has sprouted, and is bearing fruit. And the weeds can't do anything to stop that. And at the end of the age, there will be a harvest, a time of judgment by God. Those who don't belong to Jesus will be thrown into the fire with grief and regret. Those who belong to the kingdom will shine in the glory of the resurrection. Now, this isn't a threat, turn or burn, repent of your sin or you'll be thrown into the fires of hell and tortured forever. Again, most of our ideas of hell have got more to do with Milton and Dante than Jesus. It's not a threat because you've been naughty. Choosing life with God should never only be to avoid hell, but because life with God is so much more. Jesus promises life to the full. Jesus God Himself was born a man, died on a cross, and rose again so that we could know what it means to be unconditionally loved and invited into His family. Imagine being in that field and with the wheat mixed in with the darnel. The darnel doesn't know it's darnel. It's in the field, it's living and growing, but it has no knowledge of its purpose or its destination. But we're wheat. We're aware that we're wheat. We're aware that we're different from the darnel. Aware that the field has an owner and a harvest is coming and we have a purpose in our fruiting. And the owner chose to plant us and tend for us and care for us. And we'll avoid the fire. I didn't choose Christ because I was scared of the fire, but because of everything else he had to offer me to make my life make sense in purpose and in love. I wasn't forced into it by a threat of judgment, but loved into it by a transforming relationship with Jesus. We're in the middle of a series of sermons on life on the front line and being whole life missionary disciples. Our front line is the time that we're not in church or doing church stuff. About 110 hours a week after we've taken 168 in our week and slept for 48 and done church stuff for about 10. Because of my illness, my front line looks completely different to normal, whatever normal might mean. But if we're to be whole-life missionary disciples, it doesn't matter where or what your 110 hours are. Only 40 of those might be in work, so it's not just about workplaces about changing our perspective on those 110 hours to see where God is already at work and joining him in that, making small changes that God will grow for his kingdom. See, if we're seeds in this now but not yet world, we are wheat in Christ's field, surrounded by darnel. We're living together in a world where God is patient, knowing that the harvest will come, but it shouldn't come too soon. But we're impatient, like the workers in the field. We want to fix it now, to get rid of the bad and the evil in this world, making our judgments about who's wheat and who are weeds, telling God what we think he should be doing. God doesn't enjoy having weeds in his field. His delay in harvesting isn't because he doesn't care, but precisely because he does. Now, this isn't simple how he works, his timing, his judgments, it doesn't make sense to us. But what we can know for sure is that it's God's job to weed the field, not ours. That we shouldn't be telling him what to do or to hurry up. And that there should be a visible difference between the wheat, the people of Jesus, and the weeds. So if your wheat is that visible... What looks different in your life that shows you a wheat, not a weed? Yes, your life looks different because you come to church. You might spend time reading the Bible and praying, serve on a rota. But what about when you're at work or school or university? Or driving or on the bus? Or in the Tesco queue? Or in the football stand? Or on Facebook? Or at home, which I think is the hardest place? The wheat can only be told from the darnel by its fruit. And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How much of that fruit is identifiable in you? My first teaching job was in Hertfordshire, and I moved up there knowing Nobody. On the first day, we had induction and all the new staff were stood up and introduced. I didn't know it at the time, but another teacher, Sarah, looked at me and thought, something different about her. I'm going to talk to her about God. During the course of the day, Sarah heard the rumors running around the staff room. The new science teacher has got a tattoo and it's of a Bible verse. The next time she saw me, she came over and asked about the cross that I was wearing and invited me to the house group that became my family for the year and are still some of my closest friends. I can't claim that I did anything. I don't think that in the three seconds I stood up and smiled that I was showing much fruit. But Sarah was looking for where God was and was willing to join in. Was I distinctive as a teacher? I hope in many areas I was, but in the staff room complaining about certain peoples or certain decisions by senior leadership? Definitely not. You see, it's not easy to be different. We' really like to fit in. We tread a fine line belonging to the kingdom which is now but not yet. Some people might say we're in the world, but not of it, but that's not entirely biblical. John 17 says that we are not of the world, but Jesus prays to the Father not to take us out of that world. In the world but not of it sounds like we've got to aim to escape, to segregate ourselves, to remain holy. Actually, a better but less pithy phrase would be not of the world but sent into the world. We're planted in the field not to escape it, but to bear fruit. We're to be different, distinctively different, identifiable as wheat and known by our fruit. So how can we do holy, set apart for God, without being holy the now and off-putting? How can we be different but still connect with people, distinctive but attractive? Jesus did it. He lived such a different life and engaged with what God was doing in every person that he met. But people were drawn to him, not put off by a judgmental attitude or his holiness. Jesus was never angry at sin, only those that thought they were good enough. His action to sinners, the weeds of our field, was to love them into being wheat. I can't tell you how to be distinctive because I'm not on your front line and I'm not you. I thought about getting you to talk about it in little groups but then decided if I ever wanted to be asked back not to ask you to do that. It was actually because I know that the three minutes, five minutes I could give you isn't really enough for anybody to get to grips with what this means. It's an ongoing conversation to have tonight and this week and this year as we have a year of vision and learning what it means to be whole life disciples. I think it could be really easy for me to sit here and tell you how to be distinctive and just end up with a list of good manners and polite English behaviour. And while that's nice, and it's nice to be nice, that's the way that the darnel looks like wheat. That subtle lie that belonging to Jesus is just a list of stuff that you don't do obscuring the truth of love and transformational relationship. So, on your front line, what can you do to be distinctive? The whole series on front lines isn't about making major changes to what we do, but simple changes to how we do what we're already doing. Having a perspective change on our ordinary little lives. It's about asking Asking God to help you see where he is already at work and joining him in that. How do we change our perspective? By prayer, but mainly by living it. It's like learning to swim. The theory is all well and good, but you'll never learn without getting wet. You can't think yourself into a new way of living, but you can live yourself into a new way of thinking. If you've been sitting here, thinking, I'm not sure I'm weeds or I don't want to be a weed, I've got good news for you. This is a parable, and unlike an allegory, not all the details have a parallel in reality. There's a limit to how deep you can take them. It's like saying, this paper is as white as snow. It doesn't also mean that it's cold and hexagonal and fluffy. It's a limit to the meaning of the metaphor. The kingdom of God is like a field, and we are like seeds. But seeds are stuck as the type that they are. I've planted tomato seeds, and I know that I will get tomato plants, and that there won't be a lemon in sight. We're like seeds, but we're not seeds. We aren't stuck the way we're planted. Clive will happily tell you that he spent 32 years as a weed. I spent 15 before I met Jesus and learned of his love for me and became wheat. For the owner of the field, Darnam was expensive to put right, but he had a choice to spend the money to put the work in and save the crop, or to lose it all. God is the owner of this field of the world, and he chose the costly option to save his crop. That's you and me. Jesus humbled himself to become wheat in our very field to show us what living distinctively looks like and was harvested and burned as a weed uh, dying a criminal's death on a cross only to rise again after three days in the grave to show that the evil one with all his scheming cannot own or harvest this field. The owner of the field took on the cost of the weeds and paid it in full because he loves so much. Most of us are familiar with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We don't often carry on to the next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus died so that we don't have to be weeds, we can be wheat. He died so that we can understand that we are loved, live a life of transformed relationship, and have a destination in the new heaven and the new earth with him. I'm going to pray and then hand back over to Ross, but please do come forward if you would like anything to pray about. I think to the size because we've got communion going on. Um, We'd love to pray with you, and if you'd like to meet this Jesus that transforms lives, we would love to introduce you to him. Father God, please help us to understand all this picture language. Take my words and leave your truth clear in our minds and our hearts. We ask you to change our perspectives, to see the small things as your starting points, to see where you are already at work and to have the confidence to join you, to be distinctive and to bear fruit for your kingdom. Help us to see what it means to be whole life missionary disciples and learn by living it. Thank you that you accepted the cost so that we could be transformed into wheat, loved and in relationship with you. In the name of Christ, amen.